So let's pray and we'll get started tonight. Father, we want to come to you today with grateful hearts for all that you've done, Lord, for a good week. Uh, Lord, we're uh, reminded that you're in control of the weather, you're in control of the seasons. And God, we're so thankful, God, for all that you've done. Lord, we just thank you for how faithful you've been to us this week. God, how good you've been to us. And Lord, for those in our uh, church, in our community, God, who are going through uh, times of loss and times of sickness, God, we just pray, Lord, an extra measure of grace for each season that they're going through, God. As we talk tonight about communication, God, help us to understand, Lord, it's so important about how we communicate, how we listen, how we speak. I'm reminded of that right now, standing in front of this group of people, God. So I pray that our communication, God, would be uh, something we take serious, something that we uh, improve in. It would be a skill that we learn and that we uh, improve in. God, it would be a, a great tool in our toolbox as we talk to our spouses, as we talk to our kids, as we talk to those in our church, in our community. God, where we can effectively communicate uh, the gospel. That's one of the most important things we should be sharing with other people, God. So I just pray that we would really, really understand that and we would take it to heart. So I just pray for our time that you would be in our midst and, God, that you would speak. And I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So tonight we're going to start again. What did I say our uh, topic was? Improving communication in your marriage. So our key text tonight is going to be Ephesians 4.15. And I'm going to read that verse to you. Are you all ready? Mas bien, hablando la verdad en amor. Crescamos hasta lagar e ser en todo el cuerpo maduro de aquel que es la cabeza, es decir, Cristo. What? Y'all didn't understand my communication? So that was an effective thing to say, hey, sometimes we think we speak very well to somebody, and it's like we're speaking another language. In fact, if we're not careful... In our marriages, with men and women, we can talk and think that we've communicated something very well to our husband or to our wife and find out that they didn't get any of that because of how you spoke. Because of the fact that you didn't look at them when you were talking to them, you were watching the TV or whatever else was going on. Communication's not just what we say, it's how we say it and our body language. So I want to go through something real quick like tonight. I've got our study and then I did another study because I thought it's good to have two studies, right, to back it up. I started Cambry, but it's all right. You're not too far back. Uh, so I'm going to give you a couple of principles, and then I want to talk to us about effective communication, then I want to get into our scripture, okay? So a couple of principles. How well you communicate can make or break your marriage. How well you communicate can make or break your marriage or make or break relationships that you're in. Effective communication requires truthfulness and openness. For communication to be effective, you must reserve time and energy to communicate. You can foster positive communication in your marriage by using basic communication skills, expressing, listening, and responding. Okay, so here's what I want us to look at real quick. Like I, got, I did a little quick study on effective communication. And you know how I studied it? I Googled it. I mean, that's probably one of the best ways you can get your information, right? Okay, not for everybody. Okay, so... Effective communication is about more than just exchanging information. It's about understanding the emotion and the intents behind the information. So what are some barriers y'all think that stop you from communicating effectively? Your feelings. Okay. Pride. Pride. Distractions. Distractions. Mm. 
Hungry. I think that's a big one for men most of the time. What did she just say? Walking taco? I, did I hear that? No, nope. Mm-mm. What about the fact that you can't focus on what somebody else is saying? How about the fact that you're listening, but you're listening to say something back to them? Did you really get what they were saying? Most of the time, no. One of the biggest things we brought up was stress and emotion. We don't hear well when we are stressed or we're emotional. Lack of focus, inconsistent body language. Somebody's not displaying what you're looking for. So you need to make sure. Some tips to become an engaged listener. Y'all ready for this? Focus fully on the speaker. So when you're listening to somebody and you're going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, I got you, yeah, uh-huh, yep, yeah, I got that, yep, mm-hmm. Are you really paying attention to what the person's saying? Somewhat, but no, not really. You're not doing it at all. You need to focus fully on the speaker. Number two, it says to favor your right ear. So everybody should be doing this, right? As strange as it sounds, the left side of the brain contains the primary processing centers for both speech, comprehension, and emotions. A little bit of psychology for you. Since the left side of the brain is connected to the right side of the body, favoring your right ear can help you better detect the emotional nuances of what somebody's saying. Sounds like some Dr. Phil babble right there. I'm just being honest, but make sure that you're listening. Avoid interrupting or trying to redirect the conversation to your concerns. Probably the number one thing. If you really want to listen, listen until they're done. And some people, that means you're going to listen for a while. Number four, show your interest in what's being said. Nod, smile. Uh, make sure your posture is open and inviting. You know, a regular thing where they're like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm, that's good, right? Make sure that they understand that you're listening. Try to set aside judgment. I'll say that one more time for you. While you're listening to somebody else, try to set it. I mean, you're judging me right now. I can sense it. Try to set aside judgment. You might, make sure you, you might not agree with them. You might not like them, but you need to listen to them. One of the ways we're failing is we're not listening to what the world's saying out here. We're judging them. We need to listen to understand what their condition of their heart is. Why are they like that? Why are their views like that? And when we really listen empathetically and compassionately, guess what they might in turn do? Listen to us. So we need to make sure we're not, uh, we set aside judgment. We want to improve our emotional intelligence. Has anybody ever heard of that term? It's making sure that your emotions are in check with what's going on. You're looking at people and you're not judging based on whatever's in the past, but you're actually looking and you're making emo emotionally intelligent decisions. Not based on your emotions. Emotional intelligence. Control your emotions, right? All right. Uh, we need to pay attention to nonverbal uh, signals. The way you look, the way you listen, the way you move and react. Body language, the way your face does stuff. You know, look at people when they do the eyes like this. There's stuff going on. So how can you improve on all of these things? Practice. That's very good. You want to practice making sure that you're calm under pressure. So when your wife is asking you where the Oreos are, you need to stay calm. You need to blame one of your children. If you don't have children, there's a dog, there's some other way. You need to communicate effectively by staying calm under pressure. Don't get knocked off of your thing. Another thing it talks about is using stalling uh, tactics. Sometimes when Anita and I have conversations, we don't really have arguments very often. It's mostly conversations. I've got to tell her I don't know right now. Give me some time to think, right? Because she can be just like, you know, she gets her head moving. It's like, wow. I mean, y'all, see her, you don't think that, but wow. 
And I've got to have some time. I've got to be like, oh, whoa, hold on. Let me go out in the woods for a little bit. Let me think about it. Let me ponder on this one, right? Sometimes we just need to say, hold on. Can we have some space? Any of y'all need space before you respond? Because if you don't have space, how do you respond? Emotionally, right? And guess what happens? It doesn't go well, right? You need to pause sometimes to collect your thoughts. Sometimes I've found it's good to actually take and write something down. I'm not a big journal type person, but it's good to write down what I'm fixing to say before I say it, because then I can say, wow, that sounds really bad. I don't know if y'all had that or not. Probably not. Deliver your words clearly. Wrap up with the summary and then stop. Something that's great to say is say, does that make sense? Do you understand? Are you following me? Are you jiving? Are you with me? All that kind of stuff, right? Help make sure that we're doing things together, right? Uh, a couple of ways to make sure that you're doing effective communication. Recognize when you're becoming stressed. If you're becoming stressed, don't get into a conversation about finances where you're wanting to sign some kind of timeshare or something. Probably not a good mo uh, time. Bring your senses to the rescue. Make sure that you're not going out of, you know, again, keep everything as much as you can emotionally intelligent emotions there. Sometimes a great way to communicate and to break things is to break the, the, that by having a little bit of humor, right? It's a good thing to sort of drop the tension in the room. So be willing to compromise. You're not right about everything. I know that hurt. I know you looked at me again. That's tough. You're not, you're not right on everything. Sometimes if you bend us a little bit, we need to compromise. And then the last thing is to agree to disagree. I remember I had one guy that I was uh, talking to about my faith for a long period season back when I was a young Christian. And uh, we argued about things all the time. That's just being honest. That's what we did. And I had to come to a point where we agreed to disagree because guess what I was doing? Nothing. He was setting his ways. I was setting mine and we weren't going to get nowhere. So we had to agree to disagree. And I found that when I did that, it relieved the stress. And he actually listened to me a whole lot more than just being contentious. Sometimes we're contentious and it doesn't do anything for us. So, communication. Huh, are there differences between the way that men and women communicate? It wasn't just a yes, it was absolutely. What's some differences in the way men and women communicate? Yes, Sydney. I agree. I think you are calling yourself out. Yeah. Yes. It's a book, I believe, or somewhere. I've read it in the past before, so it's something that I've heard before. So it is something I agree. I think, you know, again, when me, Anita and I have conversations, she can remember stuff from a long, long time ago that I didn't even think about and hadn't remembered since that long, long time ago versus I'm like, this is it. It's just this one thing. It's all it is. Yes, I only have one compartment. That's all I want to live in right now. The other compartment I'll go into later, you know, and I'm not going to think about that compartment because I got this one, right? And when I get done with this one, I'm going to go to this one. And I've got, just for make sure y'all women hear something. Y'all hear something? I have an empty compartment where I go, and I don't think about nothing. What are you thinking about? <laughs> nothing. But you're surely thinking about something. No, I ain't thinking about nothing. You, you have to be. What's going on there? Nothing. It's, it's, 
It's a place, it's a place I long for, I won't lie. It's a place I long for. So communication. Do you think introverts and extroverts communicate differently? Yes. Introverts, someone who is not much in front of people, extroverts are the ones that's the life of the party. Very different communication. Emotional intelligence tells you what? How do I communicate with this introvert that's going to be different than this person that's an extrovert, right? It helps us recognize people, recognize how God made everybody individually, right? He made all of us different. Some of you real different, right? How do we communicate, right? How are we making sure that we understand? How did your parents communicate with you? My dad threatened me or whooped quite often. He, he was not much of a verbal communicator, right? So how did that impact me then as a parent and as a husband? Did it have an impact? It did have a lot of impact. I mean, but yes, we, we parent and we do things off how we were raised. If you're raised in a place there's a lot of communication and people are open and they talk about things, you're going to be more apt to be like that as you grow. If you grow up in a time where it's like, it's none of your business, we ain't going to talk about it, right? Then when you get older, you're going to do what? Sometimes it does. Say, I'm not gonna do that. Especially when I got beat so much, Kathy. Yeah. You're right. I did not. Yes, I think that's we recognize. Oh, really? Well, I can tell. Uh, so let's go to the scriptures and let's look at some things here, okay? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm actually going to read out of my Bible this time because that was pretty rough for me. Uh, just trying to make a point. Uh, Ephesians 4, we're going to do 11 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11. Through 16. Uh, and here's, how it's, here's what it says here. It says, And he himself, that's Jesus, himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he do that? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So, Paul here is saying, you know what? Christ possesses the authority and the sovereignty to assign spiritual gifts to those he calls into service in the church. So do you have the same gift as the person that you're married to, most likely? No. no. Do you have the same gift as people sitting in this room? Do you ever wonder? Well, yeah, I have some. I'm just saying we all, it's all different, right? Do you ever wonder why you have that gift and not the other? What's that called? I think it's called envy, right? Is that a good thing? God gave you that gift because of your nature, how he made you, and he gave it to you for this time in the church. I'll go back 20 years. That's a long way. This is not me. I don't do this 20 years ago. I, I might not even sit here. I might be somewhere else. God, over time in a season, if you allow him to shape and use you, guess what he'll do? He'll use you to do things you never thought you were, you were, you were going to do. Because he does it for a season. Now, is it going to be like that forever? No, because things change, right? And we have to be adaptable and moldable to what God wants us to do. So, I'm not going to get into all the different roles there. That's not really the purpose here tonight, but we can go through that if you need to later. 
uh, he, he gives not only the gifts, but he also gives gifted men and women for the season of time in the church. Their responsibility in this is to effectively communicate the message and the mission of the church in each season. How do they do that? Equipping or restoring individuals to their original condition are making them fit and complete. When we talk about edifying, that's what that means. Scripture is the key to this process, and people are equipped to do the work of the ministry, not just elders or pastors, but everyone is to be involved in actually serving Christ. And as we're equipped and as we serve, the entire body is edified, the entire body is built up, the entire body is nurtured, and it's developed to serve Christ. We've got to make sure if our church is not healthy, what does it mean about the people? The people aren't healthy, right? So we need to make sure that we're understanding we all have a place in this. We all have somebody that we should be edifying and building up. In marriage, it should be your spouse and then your children, right? Should it stop there? No, you have a place of service here. We should have a small group here. That's why we have Sunday school, right? Sunday school is a place where you can do what? You can learn together, you can grow together, and you can help build each other up. That's what the purpose of it is. We have ministries here, and the ministries are to do what? Glorify God, reach people, and it's a place for us to do what, though? Come together, build each other up, and work for something bigger than who we are. Effective communication, though, is important. How many of y'all have ministries that you're not sure what they do out in the world or even here? There's some things you see on the wall, and I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know. Maybe we should have a description beside of it that effectively communicates what it is and who it serves, right? Communication. We need to make sure that we're understanding the importance of that. The unity we have is built as we develop a deeper knowledge of Christ through prayer, faithful study of his word, and obedience to his commands. I'm sure I've never heard that, right? You should read your Bible, you should pray, and you should obey. Is that mind-altering? We're looking for something different. Most of us are looking for this new word. New... No. Change is going to come when we do what? When we take this and we allow this to change our mind, our attitude, and our actions. This is what's required. So we need to make sure that that's how we're doing that, especially in this here. Our mandate is to do what? Become like Christ. He is our standard of spiritual maturity and perfection. You want to compare yourself to somebody? Don't look around at those like Jerry Springer where we look and go, oh, no, you want to do something? Look at Jesus. And when you look at him, you should see yourself. And you should say, wow, I, I, I'm, not, even, I'm not, not arrived. I'm not even close. Is it a journey worth striving for? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's keep going here. Note the shift here in verse 14. This is for those who are not maturing and who are not equipped. Sound like familiar today? They're easily swayed by deceitful false teachers and the culture around them. I was talking to a guy, this has probably been about 10, 15 years ago, and he said, how come I go through town and there's all these churches and they all got different Episcopalian, he named all four or five. He's like, man, if all y'all would just be together, y'all would be the most powerful force in America. And I said, you're, you're right. So why do we have all this? Some of it's doctrine, right? Some of it's like, well, they ain't quite right. And there's a lot of them that ain't right. Let's just be honest. There's a lot of them that ain't right. We need to make sure, though, that we're not swayed by the culture. What should impact the culture? The culture impact the scripture or the scripture impact culture? The problem we have is we're allowing script, uh, the culture to impact what we think of this. We're allowing the culture to impact what it actually says. And that's a problem. 
We cannot allow that. We cannot allow that. We have to make sure that we're going to be mature. Verse 15 here, it says we see how we're to communicate. We're to communicate the truth in love. Do any of y'all have problems communicating the truth in love? Okay, none of you do. That's great. I'm glad, man. Y'all are awesome. I have troubles communicating the truth in love sometimes because sometimes you're trying to communicate the truth and you just want to grab somebody and shake them? Or is that? Okay, that's just me then maybe. But, you know, it's like, you need to do this. But that's not the best way of communicating the truth in love. Now, does that occasionally need to happen? Yeah, it, it does. I'd like to do a little bit more, you know. But no, we need to make sure we're communicating the truth in love because how did Christ communicate his truth to us? He died for us, right? John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave. That's what we should be doing. We should be giving because that's what God's called us to do. Evangelism is most effective when the truth is proclaimed in love. When you see these guys on the street corners waving their signs and screaming at people, I don't think it's that uh, great of a communication tool to a lost and dying world. Might hit some. I'm not saying it, it don't hit somewhere, but I don't think that's the most effective way. Now, if you go along beside somebody and you get to know them and you let, talk to them and then they share about their life with you, then guess what you probably can do? You can share about Christ to them. We need to make sure that we're showing love because the scriptures are about how God loved us. Now, the scriptures are also about justice. There's, there's a good balance in all that. But we need to make sure we need to have compassion. Compassion is what we need. We need sound doctrine as well. But if we don't have compassion for others, the truth can be received in a negative manner, and they will not receive it. When we're spiritually mature, we recognize this is not a contest. And if we win when we talk, but we recognize, you know what? We care about somebody else, and we're willing to invest our time, and we're moved with compassion. We speak as Christ did, and we grow closer and we look more like our Savior than we do. One of my favorite verses says, Let your light so shine before others that they see your good works and glorify your church. No, they glorify your Father who's in heaven. They don't even see you. That should be our, our heart cry. They don't even see us. They see what God has done through us. Each part here in the body, even the pinky toe, right? Everybody has a place. It needs to work properly so that the body grows and notice that it's built up by love. That's what the church's motto should be. We should be building things by love. The power to produce mature, equipped believers does not come from us, but it comes again from our head, Jesus Christ. So, how can we speak the truth in love to our spouse, to our children, to those in our church, to those in our community? That was a question. I, didn't, I should have thrown it in. It was a question mark. How do we do that? Know your audience. Pick your battle. Is there always a place? Should you die on every hill? No. No, it's not a good place. You can. I'm, obviously you can, but it's probably not the best thing to do, right? <laughs> Thank you, John. That's a nice point on that. Uh, a couple other scriptures I want us to look at. Just real quick, like I'm actually just going to paraphrase them if that's all right with y'all. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Are we walking carefully and with great care in our marriages? Are we investing our time wisely, knowing the state of our culture and our mission? Philippians 2, 1 through 4. These verses speak of unity through hum humility. Are we coming alongside to help, to counsel, to exhort as Christ does for us? Why would it bring Paul joy in this for believers to be like-minded? We're all individuals, right? We need to have the same love. We need to be united in spirit and intent on one purpose. Is this the same pattern we're using in our marriage? 
Is it the same pattern we're using in our relationships? Are we ensuring our spouse's needs, others' needs are met before ours? What about in the church? And then there's a Song of Solomon, 7, 10 through 13. I've assigned that for y'all as reading. Hopefully y'all have read that. Uh, In these verses here, it says, She expresses her love by saying, Come, my beloved. And her love is everywhere that they go. She's laid all these up for her beloved. The question I had when I read that is, What are you showing to your beloved? I'd encourage y'all to read those. That's why, you know, if we go through them. Three components of effective communication from the scriptures. We need to be expressing ourselves. James 3, 3 through 12. Again, if you really want to read some good wisdom, go to the book of James. You need to talk openly about what you think, what you feel, and what you need in each situation. Oftentimes, we don't get what we need because we don't ask for it. What do the scriptures tell us to do? Ask, seek, and knock, right? We're like, well, they should know what I need, right? I'm too prideful to ask. I'm too humble to ask. You ain't got nothing. Guess what? Maybe you should think about doing things differently. You need to talk openly about what you think, what you feel, and what you need in each situation. You need to have situational awareness. Number two, after expressing, is listening. James 1.19. Listen carefully to what's being said. Do not listen to respond, but listen to understand. Imagine there's a spotlight on the person speaking. And nothing comes in the way until they're done. Don't just listen with your ears. Look at how they're expressing themselves, their body language, and the inflection of the voice. Because it adds layers and dynamics to the words being said. The last thing here on the three components of effective communication. Expressing, listening, and then responding. Use appropriate feedback or ask questions about what was just said to help you better understand your role and what you can do to help in each situation. Ask. What do you need most from me right now? How many of y'all have had conflict this week? Nobody has. That's a blessing. That's great. Conflict occurs, right? We have an offense that's happened. Oftentimes, is that offense? Did the other person know about it? Sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes they do, right? We have an offense. We have hurt. And when we're hurt, what's the very first emotion we have most of the time? <clears throat> Anger, right? That's how it works, right? What happens is we never, ever close that loop. We need to make sure we understand how do we close that loop. God delights in doing what? Restoring broken relationships. He doesn't leave a feedback loop open. We need to follow his example when conflict occurs. Matthew 18, 21 through 22. How often should we forgive? Is that so you got a list? He's up to seven. Okay, you're done for, right? So how often should we forgive? All the time. How much have we been forgiven? So when we get back to our conflict, right, if we're not careful, we stay over here expecting some retribution instead of forgiving, right? That closes that loop. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be careful to not allow anger to become bitterness. Deal with it. How do you close the loop? At the end of every day, you got to do what? Drop it like it's hot, right? you got to let it go. If not, you'll have bitterness, and bitterness is going to lead you to a place you don't want to be. A couple things else to help you during conflict. You need to prepare your heart. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search and know, try and know, lead me. Again, I'm paraphrasing. Prepare your heart. 1 Peter 3, 8, and 9. Have compassion, love, be tenderhearted, be courteous. Return a blessing for evil because you were called for this. Prepare your heart. 
Next thing is to have some loving confrontation. Choose the right time and the place to discuss the conflict. I believe I heard it earlier. Don't choose before supper. Wait till you've ate. Everything's calm. And then have a confrontation. Make sure you choose the right time and place. Uh, number three, offer forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. And then the last thing is rebuild trust. It takes time and it takes effort to rebuild. But it's worth it. Oftentimes when we forgive somebody or something's happened, we forgive, but we don't do what? Forget. Right? There's a constant issue. We walk by and we give them the side eye when you walk by them. Y'all got anybody in the church like that? You sit on that side and they sit on this side, right? That is not how we're to be. We need to be restored. We need to rebuild trust, right? We need to make sure we understand how we're to communicate because it's important. It's also important for us to be one, as we read in the scriptures. If we're going to have edify and build up, you can't do that if you've got one that you want to tear down. It's, not, it's impossible for us to do. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 17 says they're elect people, holy, beloved, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with, forgiving. Put on love and allow the peace of God to rule. Be thankful. Abide in the word in all wisdom. Teach and admonish in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts. Whatever you do, do it all in his name and be thankful. When you read some of these scriptures, you recognize, is this me? Am I kind? Am I humble? Am I meek? Am I long-suffering? Or am I short-suffering? Am I bearing with people? Am I forgiving? Am I putting on love? Am I allowing peace to rule? We have to recognize where we're at in this. James 1, 22-25 says to be a doer. When you read the scriptures, you need to be doing it, not just listening to it. You need to look into the perfect law of liberty and see who you really are and continue doing what God's called you to be. I know I've not said it lately, but I do want to encourage you. You know what? Hang in there. This is just a cycle. Whatever you're going through now, it'll be different next week, next month, next year. It changes. Guess who doesn't change? God does it. He still has plans. He still has purposes. He still has something for you to do. If not, guess where you wouldn't be? Sitting up in here, right? Hang in there. Whatever season you're in, it'll pass. There's going to be better days. Choose to look for those versus dwelling in the past or in pain. Are you a victim? No, you're not a victim. You're an overcomer. That's how you should live. We live in a victim mentality, a victim world. Stop living like that. If you need help, ask for it. Find somebody and ask them for it. What is, I just said it earlier. I'm going to say it one more time. Seek, knock, ask God and others here. You are not alone. We are the church and we need each other. A good step to continue growing is to come to the marriage conference we got upcoming. So make sure that you're doing that. Make sure you invite somebody. There's another couple that you probably know or somebody that could use some help. Invite them. Say, hey, come with me. Don't say just come. Come with me. Come on. Let's, let's walk this together. Let's do this together. So effectively communicate. I pray that I was able to communicate something tonight. So let's pray and let's get into our small group time. Father, I thank you so much that you have effectively communicated your will and your word to us through the scriptures. God, I'm so astounded when I read them sometimes, God, because I've read it before. And God, you bring a new light to it. God, you let it to shine in my life, God, and help me to understand more of who I am and who you are. God, your word if, uh, communicates, God, the relationship to my wife, to my kids, and Lord, how uh, lacking I am in so many areas. God, I pray, Lord, we would effectively communicate to you. 
God, we wouldn't hold back in our prayers. We wouldn't hold back in our, our ask of you, God. You're a, you're a big God. You can handle it all. God, help us to be real, to be honest with you, and then to be real and honest with other people. God, I pray, Lord, in our small group times, God, we would have a chance to talk. We'd have a chance to discuss some of these things. And I pray this week, Lord, we would uh, work on being a better communicator. God, help us to pick a topic. Help us to study it. Then help us to communicate it to someone else. And then ask them for feedback on what we can do better. God, we'll never grow if we don't have other people helping us to grow. We'll live in a place where we think we're like Mary Poppins and everything's practically perfect. And God, we ain't. So God, help us to not only look for feedback, but to accept it when it comes and to be thankful for it. So I pray, God, again, that you bless this time and you bless these things. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.